E-P-T. Inept Tech. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Talking with Coach Art Turf, the head football coach, athletic director here at Inept Tech. And Coach, we recently discussed your conference. I know the season is getting ready to get underway this week, and let's talk about your schedule. What type of schedule do you have for us this year? Well, we do have a fine schedule lined up. We're going to be playing a bunch of fine opponents, going to be playing a bunch of fine ball games this year, and all the fans can look forward to some fine conference ball games. Those are folks that we're going to be playing what's in the conference, and every ball game we play in the conference counts toward the conference championship, and I am predicting that we are going to be in the thick of the fight for the conference championship this year. And, of course, all the ball games that we play that's non-conference games, those are folks that aren't in the conference, and they're going to be just as exciting and fine of ball games for the fans to watch. Well, let's run down that schedule uh, for our fans, Coach. What do we got coming up? We're going to open up this week against South Oklahoma State uh, SOS. You know, their program, I understand, needs quite a bit of help. And uh, we purposely put them at the uh, first of our schedule because we figured we was going to soft soap them and this was going to be an easy victory for us. And then we follow up by Indiana Orthopedic University, IOU. You know, they owe us a victory. They, they stomp us pretty good and, and uh, broke us up quite a bit last year, so they owe us a victory. So we figure that going into the first home ball game of the season that we're going to be 2-0. and zero. And we'll look at the rest of the inept schedule with Coach Art Turf in just a moment. And today's Art Turf show is proudly sponsored by Peacocks. We're discussing the inept tech schedule for this season with Coach Art Turf. And Coach, you've gotten us through the first couple of ball games on the schedule. What do you have on farther down the line? Well, we opening up on the road with two road ball games and come back the third week with the home opener and the first conference ball game of the year against Cinema State and you know we're not going to have any trouble at all beating them folks because uh, there ain't no shortage of game films whenever we play them so we're going to be well prepared when we go into our home opener against Cinema State and then we come back with another home ball game the next week against Rock Slide Vermont Polytechnic and boy how did that's really a mouthful so we just try and kind of shorten that to RSVP and we're figuring that they could be the answer to our struggling program and it looks like we're going to come up with our fourth consecutive straight victory in a row open up the season four and zero before we take on another road game the following week we're going to be playing Seashore State and there's not a whole lot we know about these folks right now that seems like they're kind of a fishy opponent but uh, we're looking forward to playing them boys and then coming back on for another conference ball game at home double dakota tech and boy they're always tough and uh we're looking forward to playing them because uh, ddt is still working the bugs out of their program sounds like a very tough schedule in front of you how are you going to close out now well, we're going to close with the last four ball games on the schedule, but you know we're going to be playing them ball games same way we play all the rest of our ball games, and that is one ball game at a time. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM. 
Wow, look at that sunshine booming through our window. It's pretty nice outside. Still jacket weather, though, 39 degrees. Headed up to 71. Yes, ma'am. It's a Monday. It's a free-for-all. just realized, uh, of course, the, um, or the, the, you know, the, the spring forward, right? Yeah. With the clock. Yeah, sorry, I didn't have your mic on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't have to throttle the, sh- the uh, sun on the shade here because it's higher now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we really get to enjoy the sun here on the walls of the Never mind. It's yeah. just different. With the Earth's axis the yes. way it is. Yes. Axis. Hmm. Well, anyway. Good morning, folks. Welcome. And, Scott, good morning. Um, let's good see morning. here. Today is National Common Courtesy Day. Why not every day? Yeah. But maybe if we focus on it one day, we'll do it more often. Could be. It's World Down Syndrome Day. It's National Countdown Day. wonder what that's all about. National French Bread Day. National Fragrance Day. National California Strawberry Day and National Single Parent Day. All of those. Today, the state of March 21st. You see in there, um, one one just sort of popped in my head. National Fragrance Day. You know, when I was growing up, um, I think people were more accustomed to wearing fragrances than they are today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could be. I had a um, a favorite that was a, a men's cologne, you know, that sort of thing. Seems like uh, the various gals that I dated, they each had their scent. And um, you just don't, I don't, I don't smell that anymore. You know what I mean? People aren't that... Um, well, that's good. You're not sniffing the gals. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's uh, It just doesn't seem to be as popular a thing to do as it had been years ago. How about Miami Marcia? Did she have a favorite scent? Yes. I don't remember the name of it. But I bet if you sniffed it, you'd be like going, yep, that's it. That's it, yeah. Isn't it funny how you can remember things or smell brings back I'm just amazed that you brought up Miami Marsha. Are you? I think that's kind of funny. (laughs) 
What a memory. <laughs> um, anyway. I, like, I remember the Chanel number five. Yes, of course. When it came out. Yeah. I thought, hmm. And there were advertising campaigns, you know. Yeah. You, you still see once in a while an advertising campaign for a cologne or a perfume or something like that, but not like you used to. You know, they were frequently aired. Yeah. I, well, obviously, back in the day, as they say, we didn't have as many choices as there are now. But I remember both men's and women's colognes and the smells. I have... For the life of me, I can't remember the names of them, but there are two that I like, and they're both still, you know, on the countertop at home. Well, not the countertop, but the inside the mirrors, you know what I mean. Yeah, medicine cabinet. That's it, that's it, medicine cabinet. But uh, I kind of like um, the Calvin Klein fragrance. <clears throat> it's a men's men's fragrance. Yeah. They got a line of those, and every one of them I have are pretty cool. Well, National Fragrance Day it is. All right. You want the info for the Countdown Day? National Countdown Day? Oh. You mentioned something yes. about that. I guess I, what that th- was. That didn't trigger a thought. What is that all about? Well, if you look at today's date, 321, 321, yeah. it ticks down the minutes, seconds, or days to events big and small. When we count down things, we say 3, 2, 1, boom. And that is today's date, 321. Okay, let's see. Here. And on 321 and 19. Uh, let's see. Well, no, three, two, one, July sixteenth, nineteen sixty-nine. Apollo eleven launched into the atmosphere, carrying the crew of the first moon landing. And Y two K. How could we forget that one, right? Everyone partied uh, like I it think... was nineteen ninety-nine until the new millennium arrived. Remember, everyone thought everything was going to shut down. Oh, the, I kind of remember the, the that. I didn't. I didn't pay much attention because I didn't I mean, either. You know, it didn't. It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just it's going to roll over. Yeah. Into two thousand. Well. Anyway. And then uh, one here says three, two, one. It's five o'clock somewhere. Oh yeah, I did. I do remember those. Well, let's uh, let's look at some historical stuff. Obviously, today a free for all. Uh, let me just tell you: uh, tomorrow we'll have a special guest in the studio, <clears throat> Svetlana Kalinichenko. She is from the Ukraine. She's been active in our community. Um, on, well, there's a local organization that's trying to build up aid for Ukrainians. But um, we'll be talking about all that sort of thing. But mostly I just 
I hope she won't mind. I want to dig into her personal, you know, her family. Who all, who all is still living in the Ukraine? Has anyone, um, not defected, what's the term? Well, sought asylum? Yes, yes, thank you. Um, you know, what, what, what? What are what are they going through? Now, as you will understand tomorrow, she's been here about twenty years. So this isn't uh, like she's a Ukrainian and just here to be a student. She's an adult. She's really a neat gal, and um, but she has, I believe, much of her family still in the Ukraine. So. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, okay? So I'm looking forward to that information. Okay, but back to on this day in history. In the year 1349, between 100 and 3,000 Jews are killed in Black Death riots in Erfurt, E-R-F-U-R-T, Erfurt, Germany. You know what strikes me the odd is that between 100 and 3,000. I mean, you're not talking about... That's a wide gap. And yet they really don't know what the answer is or else they wouldn't have to use it. But between 100 and 3,000 Jews are killed in that awful thing in Germany. The year 1349. 1804. Napoleonic Code adopted in France. Stressing clearly written and accessible law. Amen. 1804. You know, sometimes when you're reading legal documents, it's difficult. To follow, you know what I mean? Yeah, with all the legal jargon in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, 1871, journalist Henry Morton Stanley begins his famous expedition to Africa. 1975, Ethiopia abolishes its monarchy after 3,000 years. Um, see, and the last one we have to mention of this type, just a few, not too long ago, 2014 was the year Russia formally annexes Crimea amid international condemnation. Okay, some famous birthdays. And, Scott, I always need your help here. Uh, here we go. Sure. Let me see in which order I should do this. Okay, the oldest being, or the farthest back, Henry Ossian Clipper. Now, he was born in 1856 and died in 1940. Henry Ossian Flipper was an American soldier, engineer, former slave, and in 1877, 
the first African-American to graduate from the United States Military Academy at mm. West Point, earning a commission as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. How cool. Yeah, neat. Yeah. Okay, the next person. Um, in, um, let's see. Ayrton, A-Y-R-T-O-N is his first name, Senna. Born in 1960, died in 1994. Didn't have a very long life. Mm-mm, no. Four years old. Uh, he was a Brazilian racing driver who uh, won the Formula One World Drivers Championship in 1988, 90, and 91. Senna is one of three Formula One drivers from Brazil to win the World Championship and won 41 Grands Prix and 65 pole positions, with the latter being the record until 2006. Now, his young life. Did he die in an accident? Uh, Apparently so, because here's a question that says, how fast was he going when he died? Oh. 191 miles per hour, racing at the San Marino Grand Prix in Italy. He suffered fatal injuries in a horrific crash. He was going 191 MPH when it left the tracks and hit a concrete wall at 145 miles per hour. He sustained fatal skull fractures, brain injuries, and a ruptured temporal artery in the accident. Well, so Mm. the short answer is yes, he was killed while racing. Yeah, it was caused, uh, the crash was apparently caused by a mechanical fault in the driver's steering column. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, the next two Are still alive. Yay. Hey. Okay, so we'll do it in order of age. So Matthew Brod- uh, Broderick, of course, actor. Um, what was that show we knew him so much for? He and another guy that also was funny. They lived together or something. Two bachelors, something like that. Anyway, Matthew Broderick. Oh, um. You know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, well. I can't. I can see it. I can't think of it again because we've talked about it. Well, he's celebrating his 60th birthday. He is an American actor and singer. His roles include the Golden Globe nominated portrayal of the title character in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a good one. The voice of adult Simba in Disney's The Lion King and Leo Bloom in both the Broadway musical, The Producers, and its. 2005 film adaptation. Some of his other works include War Games, Godzilla, and he was really good in Inspector Gadget. All right. uh, The the last birthday to celebrate, uh, or at least being celebrated in the news here, Jair, that's J-A-I-R Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. And um, he's celebrating a 67th birthday today. He is a Brazilian politician and retired military officer who has been the 38th president of Brazil since January of 2019. 
He was elected in 2018 as a member of the conservative Social Liber, uh, Liberal Party before cutting ties with it. Two famous deaths to mention. Um, the first one, we don't know the birth year exactly, but we do know when she passed. Pocahontas died in 1617. And, um, of course, most of us know about her. Another one is that of Frederick Winslow Taylor. That's not ringing a bell for me. Uh, he was born in 1856, died in 1950. He was an American mechanical engineer, widely known for his methods to improve industrial efficiency. He was one of the first management consultants. All right. Well, I, um, let's see here. Um, this is a little trivia thing, and once in a while I look at it. I did this morning. It's it's real simple. So uh, every day they have a question, and then you try to guess what is the right answer. Today's question was, what is the most popular or most common, I'll go that way, most common first name in the world? And they give you four options. James, William, John, Mohammed. I'll go with James. I went with William. Both of us would have been on the worst of the four answers. Nine percent of the people in the world have the first name James, seven percent William, thirty-two percent with John, but fifty-two percent Mohammed. I think that's amazing. Now we had a, a Mohammed that worked here. Oh, wait a minute. That was his last name, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Well, anyway, so the most popular first name in the world is that of Mohammed. Just a little bit of trivia. Okay, so I was listening to uh, the... I think maybe one of our public service announcements before our show started this morning. They were talking about fentanyl. We've heard that word so many times in recent years. How deadly, poisonous, whatever you want to call it, whatever term it can be, right? Scott, let's do, let's look up fentanyl, because I'm wondering why it exists at all. They say sometimes it's mixed with certain things, and I'm talking about illegal drugs and stuff, 
Um, but why does it exist at all? And, and why would you mix it? And does it have any useful purpose? Well, I always thought it was a type of pain medication, so let me look here. Uh, fentanyl is a synthetic opioid typically used to treat patients with chronic severe pain or severe pain following surgery. It is a Schedule II controlled substance that is similar to morphine, but about 100 times more potent than morphine. So as you read that, I, rec- I remembered that there's a physician in Columbus that I think was involved with Mount Carmel who's currently being tried or anyway he's in a lot of trouble because a number of his patients died and he was a surgeon I think yes um, but you always think your surgeons know what is the proper dosage of any kind of what you call it uh, pain relieving type thing um, so fentanyl in theory does have a purpose that is valuable I guess okay why is it so um, prevalent well it, it's manufactured I mean you hear of uh, the highway patrolman stopping a car that doesn't look things look fishy to them and they'll come across a whole batch of fentanyl. Oh yeah, because it's sold by drug dealers. It's a it's it's manufactured in a lab and uh unlike other opioids that are made directly from the opium poppy plant. Fentanyl is manufactured. We have a caller, perhaps they want to get involved. Good morning. Good morning. Um you may have had, I know I have had, doses of fentanyl uh, post-surgery here in Athens. Okay. But? And it's cheaper than, than um, the, other one, the, the other one that you mentioned. I think it was heroin or whatever it was that you just mentioned. Oh, opium or something. Morphine. 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 Well, anyway, it is, it is something that you still... Not as uh, readily as maybe in the past, but uh, fentanyl, and how I know that, one, in the records, and two, it's on the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I know about its cost. I haven't had any of that lately, but, uh, of course, I haven't had any surgeries lately either, but uh, already anybody was having surgeries, you know, when COVID began. I love I, emergencies. Yeah, I've, I've only had one significant surgery in my life up at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, which was a sinus tumor they removed, right? So <clears throat> I have no idea. I don't pay any attention to that stuff. You know, I just I, I put my trust in my physician. And I guess that's why this fellow in Columbus is in so much trouble, right? He was called the doctor of death, I think. I may be incorrect on that, but I think that he used that to ease the pain of people uh having their last uh, breaths and uh, the pain that they were in. And I guess, you know, so that's that, that might be more sympathy-type 
use. Right, but it's not appropriate, so, you know. Oh. Um, anyway, thank you very much. Okay, Have thank you. Morning. You bet. Well, fentanyl. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, let's see what's going on. Actually, this could take us to, uh, we, we were just talking about doctors, right? Let's, let's do this report I brought in this morning. This is entitled 2022's Best and Worst States for Doctors. I, I don't know if I think this report's necessary or not, but um, still it caught my, um, my attention. So the intro to this report says doctors are one of the most essential professions, especially during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, which the U.S. has been battling for over two years now. Doctors are on the front lines helping to combat the spread of this disease and are working to administer the vaccines and boosters that will eventually help life go back to normal. Amen. Containing coronavirus will not only help America's health, but it will also be essential for the full healing of our economy. Going on. Doctors are well compensated for the hard work they do to keep patients healthy. They are among the highest paid and most educated professionals in the United States. With general physicians having a median salary equal or greater than 208000 per year. The high salary makes sense given the importance of their life-saving work and the struggles that come with life in the medical profession. However, doctors don't start out wealthy. The average medical school debt is around $216,000. Well, Going on, in order to help doctors decide where to practice, we've compared the 50 states and the District of Columbia across 19 key metrics. Our data set ranges from the average annual wage of physicians to hospitals per capita to the quality of the public hospital system. So, we have the 50 states plus D.C. And they rank them, 1 to 51, right? And um, the two principal things they've pointed out on this study is the area of opportunity and competition and then second, medical environment. So, Scott, I'm, I'm always putting you on the spot. But yes, you, do, you are. You don't mind, I know. Um, okay. What state do you think is the most ideal, in theory, for a doctor to practice in? Oh, I would have ob obviously no idea, but I'm just going to, obviously because I don't have the criteria they based it on, so I'm going to pick somewhere in the former old Wild West. 
Am I close? Former old Yeah, list. like out in the western states? Well. Here, I'll just say it. I mean, you're not terribly off. I'll just say, I'm going to just, South Dakota. You got it. Quit it. I'm not kidding. Wow. I'm not kidding. Number one. Pretty cool. South Dakota. That's remarkable, Scott. <laughs> Number two, Minnesota. Three, Wisconsin. Four, Montana. Five, Idaho. And then we can go on Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, and so on. I was just thinking of populations, living conditions, openings, the the ability to grow. When we get to number ten, 11, we go to Arizona, followed by Alabama, Tennessee. Then we go up to the northeast, Maine, but only for a moment, back to Utah. Okay. We can jump all around here. The point is, what about our region? Ohio comes in 34th. Now, you folks have heard me when I do these studies often say, um, I'm, we always come in in the middle. N not always, but I mean most often. I, d I think that's a good thing. Um, depending on the study, I mean, it might be nice to be a little higher, but certainly not lower. Yeah. Uh, but we always come in pretty much in the middle. Ohio came in 34th. They're number eight in opportunity and competition. And they're number 40th in medical environment. Now, just because, who comes in dead last? Want to guess? That's not fair. <laughs> it's Rhode Island. I would not have guessed that one. Next to last, New York State. Wow, that's surprising. Third from last, the District of Columbia. Okay, one of my favorite states, Vermont, comes in 44th. Okay, California is two states um, behind us at 36th. Well, anyway, um, you know, some questions you might ask about this report. Of course, medicine is changing rapidly. And the way it is taught and practiced has to change, too. Right here, we have a college of medicine, and it's very well thought of. We also have a college of health sciences and professions. Well, the industry faces an aging population new regulations, and technical breakthroughs. And with that in mind, we asked the following, we asked a panel of experts the following key questions. Caller, I'm sorry, I have you on hold. I'll be right there in a moment. Number one, how does state and local policy influence the lives of doctors and other medical professionals? 
two. What tips can you offer current medical students about what specialty to pursue and where to practice? Number three out of five. To what extent does the threat of a malpractice lawsuit affect doctors' ability to do their job? You know, even if they didn't malpractice, it can always be said that they did. You know, they can be accused, right? That's kind of frightening. Number four, in evaluating the best states for doctors, what are the top five indicators? I haven't the foggiest idea. Anyway, and finally, fifth question, what are the biggest issues facing doctors during the pandemic? Okay, so interesting article. Let's go to our phones here and see if someone's still waiting. I apologize for that. Good morning. Tickety poo. Hey, tickety poo. Yeah. Hey, where's the West Virginia ranking at? I'm sorry. Uh, let me get back to that. I almost, uh, let me see here. 26th, better than Ohio. Wow. And that's something. It's a good, good, good number. Yes, it is. We're a poor state. Yeah. Wyoming, who I always love to tease, thirtieth. Huh. Dave, I got a good one here for you. Try me. Why did the bicycle quit in the middle of the race? Well, I've heard this. Um, but I'll I'll play along. I give why. It was too tired. Yeah, yeah. 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 I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Two tires? <laughs> too tired. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw a lady in our neighborhood, I, I think it was Saturday, and she had a little youngster on the bike with her. And... But as I was watching her, she was coming down a hill and down Dalton Street. And then she was on flat area for quite a while. And her feet were not moving. Her feet were like on pegs. But the crank, the, the, the wheel, what am I trying to do? The things you normally set your feet on and crank. The pedals. Thank you. They were going all the time. Huh. And as she went by, I realized there was a six-inch deep um, thing on the on the the bar in the middle between the handlebars and the um, seat that must have contained a battery. Wow. It was self-propelled. And she was she was not just drifting along, she nor was she being careless, but she was uh making good time and going up hills and I I was impressed. Oh well. I'd get in trouble with that. Yeah, I would too. You know, we had these little scooters in town for a while, a year last year. Yeah, you can rent them. Yeah, 
man, I wanted to do that, but I never did, and now they're gone. Wow. I thought they'd be so much fun to try out. And you figured they'd be go big time in, in a college town. Well, they did. They did. Yeah. But for some reason or other, they're not here anymore. It's unreal. Well, they might come back when the weather gets good, you know? We were up at Ohio State last week for one of my wife's appointments, and I saw them parked up there. Yeah. All righty. Yep. Y'all have a good day. Likewise. Keep thank up you. Good work. You I too. I enjoy listening. Okay. <laughs> Anytime, Don. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you, Don. All right. We have about uh, nine minutes remaining. Uh, perhaps you heard, oh, I heard a phone click. I must not have turned off his, there it is. Um, it is Monday, March 21st, as we've told you several times. Uh, as you may have heard, a Boeing 737 crashed in southern China overnight, 133 people aboard. This was being operated by China Eastern Airlines. Um, it's uh, just a bit too early to know all the details, how many deaths, if anyone survived, anything like that. But as the day goes by, we're sure that CBS News, which we are proud to be uh, a CBS affiliate, at the top of every hour, of course, they offer the news. Let's see here. The next story, Russia moves into Maripol. Russian bombardment of civilian and residential buildings in the Ukraine continued over the weekend with reports of a strike on the city, rather on a school in the city of Maripol. That school was sheltering at the time an estimated 400 people. The extent of casualties has not been determined. And with the city largely cut off from outside communication, reports suggest Russian forces have advanced inside the city limits after weeks of heavy fighting. What is Maripol? a southeastern seaport sitting between the separatist-controlled Donbass region and the Russian-controlled Crimean Peninsula. Maripol has suffered the brunt of the shelling. A Wednesday airstrike demolished a centrally located theater where at the time more than 1,400 people were said to be sheltered. At this point, about 130 people have been recovered. Uh, from that incident, the, the number of casualties is still unknown. Continuing on with the same general story, UN officials have confirmed 847 civilian deaths since fighting began more than three weeks ago, but say the true death toll is likely much higher. By the way, more than 3.3 million 
Ukrainian refugees have fled that country now. Once again, I remind you, tomorrow, Svetlana Kalinichenko joins us. She is from the Ukraine originally some some years ago, but I, I'm certain she has family and others in the, the region, and I'd like to have her share with us what she knows about those reports and things. So that will be a guest tomorrow on the show. Um, let's see. Scott, let's talk a little sports here. Okay. Uh, it says the Sweet 16 of the men's NCAA tournament solidified over the weekend with three of the four top, t- t- uh, top seeds advancing to the next round. I guess the Bears didn't make it, right? Baylor, yeah. Baylor was beaten. So um, They're the defending champions. North Carolina. Um, yeah, number one, Baylor lost in overtime. Uh, Michigan beat Tennessee. Michigan was 11, Tennessee third. Miami, 10, beat Auburn, 2. That was a great game. Which Miami are we talking about? Florida. Thank goodness. Coached by former bowling green coach Jim Laranega. Number 11, Iowa, beat number 3, Wisconsin. Iowa State. Iowa got knocked out first round. They must have omitted the state part there on Iowa. There's something wrong here. It says um, number 11, Iowa State, beating number 3, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. Iowa State. Oh, oh, oh. I see. And number 15, St. Peter's. Looking to be this year's Cinderella, dropping number seven, Murray State. St. Peter's upset Kentucky in the first round. Where is that? It's in Jersey City, New Jersey. Okay. And their nickname is the Peacocks. Texas Wildfires. Um, they're dealing with it again. And the governor, Greg Abbott, has issued a disaster declaration for a number of counties as these wildfires in Texas spread. They're particularly located right now in the central region of the state. Hundreds of homes have been destroyed. Uh, And the small town of Carbon, almost entirely consumed by flames. Only one fatality thus far, and it happened to be a law enforcement officer who died while helping residents evacuate. What else? I was listening to a conversation um, at a social event this weekend. We were all having a glass of wine, and they were talking about the shifting of the poles. 
um, you know, the, the earth is slightly, what would you call it? Tilted. Tilted. Okay. And that's why some of the weather that certain places used to be accustomed to has changed. In some places it's better now, some places it's worse. And is this a permanent thing? Nobody seemed to have the answer on that. Well, let's see here. So when um, Svetlana comes in tomorrow, what what's the question you really are curious about? Oh, boy. There are a few of them. Um... Uh, you know, some of them are obvious questions. Um, how are people, you know, in the cities that are being bombed, mm -hmm. are they still staying there? Are they required to get out? Have they been ordered to leave? As you, you know, some, some people, they just don't want to move. They're staying there come... Hell or high water. Yep. The um, once again, our two clocks are off, aren't they? So I'm supposed to pay attention to this one here. Correct. Okay. Yes. We've got about a thirty-second difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that is to say, we have about ten seconds remaining in the program. Uh, put your questions together. We'll try to ask them all together and get some answers. Have a marvelous day out there. And. Um, Beautiful sunshine right now. Sure is. It'll be warm today. First, uh, second official day of spring. Spring officially sprang in yesterday. That's right. <laughs> I mowed my grass for the first time Saturday. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I didn't think you would. No. Got all the twigs picked up and everything. Okay. Bye-bye. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. An explosion rocking a devastated shopping mall in Ukraine's capital, where at least eight people were killed by shelling earlier in the day. Kiev's mayor says shops, pharmacies, and gas stations will be closed at least through tomorrow. Diplomatic efforts seem to be going nowhere. Correspondent Wendy Gillette is near the Polish border. Ukraine turned down a proposal to send up a white flag in Mariupol in exchange for humanitarian corridors there. It would have allowed two corridors, one heading east towards Russia and one west into other parts of the country. Ukraine's deputy prime minister said there can be no talk of any surrender. Thousands of refugees are still crossing from Ukraine to Poland every day. Oksana Smakowska flew into Warsaw from Miami to pick up her parents. She blames Vladimir Putin for dividing neighbors. We were always friends. We were always like friendly countries. We were always like supporting each other. We had families, friends, like everybody like in Russia, Ukraine were always like very friendly. And at this point, unfortunately, like he makes it like we are all like enemies to each other. Historic confirmation hearings get underway in the Senate next hour. Lawmakers on the Judiciary Committee begin considering Judge Katanji Jackson Brown for the Supreme Court, the first black woman to be nominated. CBS's Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill. These